Welcome to the intersection of Black culture and horticulture with your girl, Cola B. Talking. And guess what, y'all? We black in the garden. You have arrived at the intersection of black culture and horticulture with your girl, Cola B. Talking, hostess with the mostest of Black in the Garden. Hey, welcome to the Black in the Garden podcast. <laughs> I'm going to leave that in. Welcome to the Black in the Garden podcast. You know, we keep it real around here, apparently. I am Cola B. Talking, your hostess with the mostest, a.k.a. Fern Hugger, a.k.a. a Calathea Killer, a.k.a. Real Hort Girl, all right? And you are listening to a very special podcast and I say that because in the canon of Black conversations and topics and podcasts and things, we just aren't talking about plants enough. And so if you go back through my catalog, you will see I've been talking about and celebrating the stories and the experiences of Black horticulturalists and, and botanical enthusiasts uh, for quite some time. It's been almost three and a half years now. And if you are new to the podcast, that means you got a lot of catching up to do. But first and foremost, welcome in and uh, go ahead and get comfortable. I would say take your shoes off, but it depends on where you are, uh, especially if you're outside. So don't pay me no mind. But if you are new, we're not going to embarrass you. We're not going to make you stand up. If you know the reference, you know the reference. But if you are an OG soil cousin, then you already know what time it is. You already know what all of that stuff means that I just said. OG is just a reference to uh, like a veteran status, okay? And soil cousin is the all-inclusive term that we refer to in kinship as the soil connects us, okay? You supporting the podcast, you're a soil cousin. It's that simple. It is a gender neutral term that I use to make sure that all of my soil cousins feel welcome and seen. I see you. I see you. You see me over here killing Calathias. <laughs> I mean, not currently, but I definitely, if I had a graveyard of plants, there would absolutely be a Calathea in it. Um, if you can relate, we do have a way for you to uh, reach back out, shout me out, holler at me, let me know how you feel about things. Text 833-819-3926. And that is a way to talk back. Okay, I want to hear from you and uh, know what your thoughts are. Where are you? How long have you been listening? How did you find out about the podcast? Like, essentially, I'm kind of interviewing you. So yeah, let's get into the things. We're going to talk about the weather, okay? Specifically as it relates to calculating your last frost date. And if you're new to gardening or a seasoned OG in the soil, you will want to hear this. So just lean in because we're discussing a few different ways to discuss your last frost date, okay? Now, I have to preface this by letting you know that I don't typically discuss the weather with strangers, okay? Because it's trite to me. Like, it's like small talk. You know, we've all done this before. 
And I actually prefer to connect on a deeper level. So I'm not too keen on just talking about the weather for the sake of talking about it. We've never really discussed that in detail on this podcast before. Typically, well, I won't say typically because we are changing things now. So whatever was typical, no longer typical. However, historically on the Black in the Garden podcast, we would have conversations with uh, guests and we absolutely will keep that going because love guests. Okay. I love uh, having those conversations and sharing their stories with you. Um, And there's a lot more of that to come. And just speaking of having guests, um, what served me well, that desire to connect on a deeper level, it served me well as a podcaster when it comes to interviews, because it allows me to create that rapport that makes my guests feel seen in such a way that allows them to open up and share things that they might not usually share. You see what I'm saying? If you know, you know, because you've been listening, or if you're just now starting to listen, you can go back and see for yourself. I just like to think that I have that kind of like Oprah effect on people. I don't think I made anybody cry yet. I probably cried myself, but you know, we'll get there. We we got time. So yeah, let's just take our time. Like I said, we're going to talk about the weather today, but this is no small talk because we're going to start with climate change. Okay. We can't get into a discussion about our environment and You know, if we're talking about the last frost date, it varies around the world depending on the zone that you're in. And if you are new to gardening, I like to just give those uh, tips, the beginner tips. Hardiness zone is very simply um, the very specific conditions that exist in a particular part of the world. Um, It generally kind of like if you look at a map of a globe and you look at the equator, You see those lines, like those longitudinal and latitudinal lines, right? Interestingly enough, the zones and those lines that are like going east and west that are, and don't get me started lying about whether it's latitude or longitude, not my ministry, okay? But those lines, (laughs) the closer you are to the equator, the more tropical and like hot your uh, zone would be. And so that generally is where we see a lot of plant biodiversity. And that's also generally where we actually get um, a lot of those crops that we get to enjoy year round that are not necessarily uh, locally seasonal for us are usually grown in such tropical climates. But the further away, the further north that you get from the equator, um, and I'm just speaking in a very broad sense because I haven't specifically divide, defined hardiness zones, but it's the same concept. But the further away that you get from the equator, the colder it gets. And, you know, the hardiness zone number actually decreases. So when we're talking about like the United States, for example, because that's really all I know. That's all I've studied when it comes to just being an American citizen when it comes to um, the understanding of how things grow in hardiness zones, South Florida, if I'm not mistaken, is zone 10. And then as you get up into like where I currently am in Georgia, it's, there's a, you, you could be in zone seven or eight in Georgia, but it just depends on what part of Georgia that you're in. Even in the Atlanta metropolitan area, even like in a smaller, you know, you would think that, 
just in a city, it would all be the same zone, but there are some variations um, even in smaller areas, okay? So I hope that y'all are all caught up on that because important things to know. If you're a beginner, I wanna make sure that you are able to follow along, okay? We pride ourselves on accessibility and relatability here on Black in the Garden. So yes, let's get into the things, okay? So climate change has been affecting the timing and the intensity of weather, weather patterns. I know words, okay? Weather patterns all over the world have been affected by climate change, okay? The timing and the intensity, whoo, intensity. Sometimes it's very hot, sometimes it's very cold. But because of the effects of climate change, that intensity is not like it used to be it's not what not given what it once used to get gave you know what i mean and so the last frost date is no exception to that concept of the climate change effect on the intensity of the thing with rising temperatures and changing weather patterns gardeners are finding it increasingly difficult to accurately predict when the last frost date will occur and one more thing that I meant to mention at the top, my bad, is that the reason why I'm talking about this is I feel like this is kind of giving like an IRL vibe. If you're listening in the present, like if you're listening within a few weeks of this episode premiering, then you would understand because you are experiencing this as well. But also, if you're listening from the future, hey, future people, <laughs> Hey, future me, in case I listen back. Um, you are so cute, girl. Like, keep going, okay? I just had to also plug in a little motivational moment for myself. And for all of us, stay the course, okay? Keep your eyes on the prize. So if you're listening from the future, then uh, I hope that you can appreciate this information because you very likely are either curious or you have a need for this information. And that's fine. We love curiosity. And we definitely want to make sure that you get what you need. But what's, what I've been experiencing in Georgia specifically, uh, in just north of Atlanta, in the uh, Marietta uh, area suburbs, is it was real hot last week, okay? And now it is freezing. Like, <laughs> it was so hot that... <laughs> Just bear with me. It was so hot that I'm outside barefoot on the balcony. Okay. I done took the plants outside. I have just been like, yo, okay, so let's go ahead and, and take the plants outside. It's some of them that I'm trying to propagate, uh, mainly just some vines, some pothos vines. Do y'all say pothos or pothos? Text me. Let me know. Okay. You got the number. I just told you. Check the episode notes for that number as well. Pothos or pothos? tomato tomato but anyway i'm propagating my vines and i'm like cool let me just take these outside i have a ponytail palm that i got back in november and just pray for her okay that's all i'm gonna say but i knew that because of the state that she was in i needed to get her outside um i know that and as much as i know i know a lot of experts <laughs> As you can imagine, from being, you know, like this curator of conversations with as many plant experts that I know, it shouldn't be nothing but a thing, which it isn't 
for me to just talk to somebody and be like, yo, how can I get my ponytail palm on point? Um, but sometimes I just get in my head and I like to kind of intuitively go about it. So I'm just kind of going off of memory from the last time I had a ponytail palm, which is not even the best way to do it because the last time I had a ponytail palm was in a different growing zone. I actually was in Florida when I had a flourishing ponytail palm. We didn't have no issues. She got to stay outside all the time, okay? But in Georgia, I just was like, cool, let me just set her outside, put the vines outside, it's hot, it's hot all week. I didn't concern myself with what would be happening the next week, but I knew that potentially it could get cold again, but it was the kind of hot that, for February, uh, it was the kind of hot that would make you think, or early March rather, a little bit of both, late February, early March, going from, from Black History Month into Women's History Month. Let's shout out to the observations. I just realized, or not realized, I just was thinking in the present, just, you know, let's stay present. Let's just enjoy it being what it is for what it is at the moment and enjoying the the tropical feeling weather and having the ability to have my shoes off and take my plants outside. And I did take a glance at the news. Um, I don't enjoy the news, okay? Just off the strength of the concept of if it bleeds, it leads. If you know, you know, right? You There's a lot of like discussion of violence and killings and stuff. That doesn't set well with my spirit. Uh, so I like... In the words of Outcast, only if I need to know the sports or the weather, okay? And I wanted to know the weather because I don't keep up with sports anyway. And the weather report reporter, shout out to uh, Fox 5 Atlanta. Gosh, I really love that program. <laughs> the team at that station is just, it's a good time. So I do enjoy them and they can make it a little bit more palatable, but that's not the point, y'all. Just bear with me. I'm, we're getting somewhere. But anyway, um, the weather reporter, who she did have on a really cute dress, by the way, but the weather reporter was like, talking about how it was going to be cold the next week. I don't know. I'm sipping coffee. I'm multitasking. I'm doing emails. I'm, I'm doing stuff. And I'm just taking note, not very specifically, but I am taking note of the fact that she is indicating that like this hot weather is not going to stay hot. And I kind of low key might not have even believed her, but a few days ago when uh, the snap was impending, I looked at the weather app on my phone and I believe I got a notification or something about like a frost alert. And I was just like, what? Wait, no, no, this this is inconvenient. Now I got to go and get these plants from outside because I do not want my tender babies that I just put out there uh, specifically to get that exposure, not just to the sun, but the elements like they just like the natural air. Like we, we get that. Um, about plants in general is that they, if they had it their way, they would be outside. So I always try to put any plant that I own to the best of my ability outside as much as possible. Um, of course, with respect to uh, making sure they don't get too much sun. That's another episode, truly. 
we we got to talk about microclimates. I love talking about microclimates. It's so fun. But look, I say all that to say that one week it was get your poom poom shorts out and your uh, sandals and have a, a cute little um, cocktail on somebody's patio, which I, I might have did. Yeah, I definitely did. Um, to now it's freezing. Like I had the AC off. I had the whole thermostat off. Don't you love that time of year when you can turn the thermostat off? Gosh, it's nice. And you just open the windows up wide. Thermostat is off. So now we got to switch off everything. Now I'm like, yo, it's about to freeze tonight. Turn the heater back on. Okay, boom. Got the heater back on. Had to go get the plants back inside. I was freaking out a little bit because I had this realization while I had just applied conditioner to my hair. So I'm like, mm, this is complicated. It's already cold. Don't want to do that. I sent my little, <laughs> my son, <laughs> who just recently had a birthday. I sent him out uh to get the plants and gave him very special instruction on which plants to get he did a great job plants are safe good times we're all fine but yet climate change though it's it's a thing and i am very certain that that has a lot to do with that stark contrast of weather patterns that we saw within a two-week period and it's just, it's a lot. So in some regions, because of the effect of climate change, it means that the last frost date is becoming more unpredictable. And we have all these unexpected frost events occurring, not just later in the season, but earlier in the season as what I'm experiencing because I'm talking to you uh, coming into like early March, you know, early March is, is where this is, this observation is taking place. So I told you how I got to the conclusion for how I determined, you know, let's just talk about the weather. Let's talk about determining your last frost date. And of course, we're going to just continue our discussion about climate change, but it can be devastating for gardeners when you're, you're not certain about when your last frost date is going to be. And not just for gardeners, because it's not just people who, because there's a difference between gardeners and farmers, which you can unpack that yourself. Auntie Google is just a beloved uh, and knowledgeable entity who will give you answers. All you literally have to type in is gardener v farmer and the results will astound you. So, <laughs> but farmers, of course, are generally cultivating plants for the sake of um, profit. And so there's a lot more on the line for farmers. And there's also a lot more on the line. There's a lot more at stake. It, it can affect the way that the food that we consume, the produce that we're going to get from the store is affected. So it's there's everything is really connected. I, I always like to point out that everything is connected, right? So, you know, this intensity that is created in the weather patterns as a result of climate change is not a good time. And, you know, some farmers may have already planted their crops thinking that the last frost state has passed only to have them damaged or killed by a late frost. You see what I'm saying? 
early frost, late frost, you never really know what you're going to get when the climate be changing. And so not only is it affecting the, the plants, but it can affect uh, the behavior of some animal species. And it just further complicates the issue of our last frost date. For example, some plants may be blooming earlier than usual, others may be blooming later, and that can throw off the traditional planting schedules and just make it more challenging to predict whether you're a gardener or a farmer when the last frost date will occur. Not a good time. And in addition to those impacts, climate change is also causing changes in precipitation patterns. That can affect the last frost state in different ways. In some regions, increased precipitation can cause the soil to stay colder for longer, and that can delay the last frost state. In other regions, decreased precipitation can cause the soil to warm up more quickly, and that leads to an earlier frost state. I mean, it is just, <laughs> it's like the math, it's, I'm just seeing that meme in my head where the person is looking confused and they're like trying to write on the board and then you're seeing all these equations kind of floating around their head. That's what it can be like to try to, <laughs> I need to make videos for this, by the way, but that's what it can be like to try to calculate the last frost date. But we're just going to discuss, you know, I, I don't have the answers. I, I don't have like the, obviously, because I'm dealing with it just like y'all are. But I do have some methods that we're going to get into in just a moment about how you can determine uh, your frosted. Some some interesting different ways or just, you know, some regular different ways. It just depends on what your experience is. And so all of these factors that I just discussed uh, just, you know, make it more difficult than it should be or rather than it used to be to predict the last frost date. And it just... It highlights the importance of paying attention to the weather patterns and being as prepared as you can for unexpected frost events. Climate change continues to affect the planet. And as a result, we're going to have to be adaptable. I know we should have learned how to be adaptable by now, but as a result, gardeners, farmers, plant cultivators in general will need to be more adaptable and flexible in order to successfully grow what it is that you're trying to grow. So let's just take a quick break right here. Because if you've been listening for this long into the podcast, then you might just be feeling it. And I love that for us. So I want to just talk briefly about a few ways that you can support the podcast. First and foremost, take note of the episode notes. Everything that you need is in there. Social media handles, uh, cash tag, okay, in case you want to send a cute little donation. Uh, I am most proud of the Black in the Garden coloring experience, which is available for you on blkinthegarden.com to get your copy. And you do want to get your copy. It is called the experience. I'm tying this together. You want to get the Black in the Garden coloring experience because my dears, my soil cousins, my dear soil cousins, every illustrated person that you find in the Black in the Garden coloring experience has been a guest on this here show. That is right. It's all connected. It's like this really cute, like literally, it's 
definitely very cute, very um, good time of a coloring book. It is designed in the style of an adult coloring book, but coloring books are universal anyway, because people who like to color just range. Like you never really know. You can't look at somebody and tell if they like to color or not. Similar to how you can't look at somebody and tell if they like to garden or not. You get what I mean? But yeah, if you're listening, I would certainly appreciate your support by um, purchasing one. I myself have actually colored through no less than two of the coloring books because I like to get high on my own supply. What can I say? I am a coloring fiend and I'm pretty good at it. Uh, so definitely take a look at my Instagram and definitely follow me on the socials. You see how I'm tying it all together? Go on Instagram, go to at Black in the Garden and don't lurk. Don't be, that's weird, okay? Go on there, say what's up, like some stuff, comment on some stuff, you know, check out the stories, get into it. It's it's not a simple, easy thing to consistently produce content. It's It's enough to just do this podcast alone, but I want an interactive and engaging experience for us all. So, you know, just taking this quick little break before we get into the the specifics of frost dates to uh, invite you to engage and to participate. So one other thing, uh, Black in the Garden Live is back, Al. Black in the Garden Live is so fun for me because I host it on Instagram and generally I will post an announcement for those lives that are planned. Some are impromptu. So like I said, you just got to stay tuned, cut the notifications on if that's your jam. And there will be some guests who it may just be easier to schedule them to have a live conversation. And maybe that's just what they prefer, whatever the case may be. Um, maybe it's just something really cute and fun and quirky that we want to talk about right quick. Who knows? Maybe it's like a group of people who I want to just have a whole conversation with together. You never know, but uh, you will know if you're keeping up with the socials. So definitely get on down to at uh, Black in the Garden on Instagram and look at the show notes for all the details about all the ways that you can support. And by all means, do that. Now, let me take a sip and we're going to get into the rest. Hydration is key. <laughs> so the last frost date. Mm -mm -mm. And I wish I had like a dollar for every time I say that term on this podcast. As a matter of fact, if you feeling generous <laughs> and you're keeping count, why don't you count how many times I said frost date and equate that to dollars and send me a little cash app. <laughs> a dollar for every time that I said frost date. Make my wish come true. Frost date, frost date, frost date. There's three more dollars. So frost dates can be the bane of every gardener's existence because if you plant too early, then your little tender baby seedlings could be frozen solid. If we're talking about outside, by the way, all of this is obviously a reference to outside because frost, because we get to control our climates inside for the most part, for those of us who have, you know, thermostats and heating and cold systems. So, you know, if you plant too late, 
excuse me, then you'll miss out on the best growing season. And depending on what part of the, the world that you're in, you may have a very finite growing season. You know, if you're in a tropical climate, if you're in, say, like a central Florida or a southern Florida or California or maybe Arizona, I don't know that much about Arizona, but I have had a guest on, uh, we've had a very specific conversation on California growing conditions. Shout out to Farmer Ken. Um, go back and find him on the throwback episode and listen to his explanation of, of what, what it do in California. But um, for those of us who may be in, say, like um, Virginia or like a Pennsylvania, Northern Pennsylvania, upstate New York, you know you got a very finite season. You know you're going to get the cold and it's going to be a full-blown winter until it's not winter no more. And then you only have that that short growing season to um, get all the things grown that you want to get growing. So if you plant too late and you miss out on the best growing season, sucks for you. You know, we, we have to just be very efficient about making the most use of the growing season that we have. So how do you calculate the last frost date? Well, I wish it was simple, especially considering what we just discussed about climate change, but here we are. So let's just start with the basics, okay? What is the last frost date? And I probably should have led with that, but here we are. So stay tuned, stick with me. It's the date when the risk of frost has passed for the season. I don't assume that everybody knows that, so it's worth just being very specific. So what that means is that you can safely plant tender plants without fear of them getting damaged by the cold. In general, the last frost date occurs sometime in the spring, but the exact date can vary depending on a number of factors, which we have already determined and discussed. So we're there, okay, we're, we're there, we're getting somewhere. How do you calculate the frost, the last frost date? I feel like I've said it like at least 10 times in the last minute. So let's, <laughs> who's counting? Um, so there's a few ways. I'm going to talk about three ways specifically. One being get your almanac. Go get you an almanac. I know when I say almanac, it literally just like instantly takes me back to a different time um, because I know people still use almanacs in, um, especially farmers and, and, well, let me not speak for who I think uses them, but I imagine that it is uh, an older generation who uses almanacs, but they are a time-honored tradition for many uh, gardeners and farmers. And the almanac is just full of information. It has all sorts of information about the weather, moon phases, which we're gonna talk about next, and even the best time to plant different crops. So like just a great guide for, if you've never had an almanac or seen an almanac before, I would encourage you to, at the very least, um, find one online. Um, you can get one at the library if you don't wanna buy one. You know, we, we love frugality around here. Or you can just go pick one up literally at like any store where you can get magazines. And I'd be paying attention so I can certainly say with most certainty that wherever you can find magazines, they generally will have an almanac, okay? So um, they'll have information about how to calculate your last frost date. 
And so in order to do that using the almanac, what you'll need to do is find your region and look up the average date of that last of the last frost. And this can be a good starting point, but keep in mind that it's just an estimate because weather patterns can vary from year to year, especially because of, say it with me eyes, climate change. So you'll need to keep an eye on the forecast. Once again, only if I need to know the spots or the weather, okay? <laughs> but a weather app is is perfectly fine if you don't want to watch the news because I know I don't. But um, yeah, a weather app, there's so many of them. Like any electronic device for the most part these days has some form of weather something. And once again, our Auntie Google can help us with that. You know, she know a lot of stuff, including the weather. You know, ask Siri. Like these these devices be knowing stuff, okay? Um, to the point where it's getting a little scary, but you know, we ain't here to talk about all that. So let's get into the uh, methodology of determining your last frost date by the moon. And really... That's not something that I personally have done so much, but because I am very much uh, tapped into the woo, the woo, 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 because I'm, because <laughs> I'm tapped in like that, I, um, I want to get deeper into that. Um, my personal growing and plant cultivation journey has been um, significantly affected by a lot of factors. But one of the most significant factors for me personally is having this podcast uh, because this podcast is no longer a hobby, um, but my livelihood. And this is a full time job for me at this point. So it it does require a lot of time and attention. And it, you would. I don't know. I'll just say this. If I would have knew that just talking about gardening and having a podcast about it would mean that I would garden less. It's bittersweet, but I'll unpack those thoughts on another episode. So let's get into uh, planting by the moon, which I it just sounds so romantic. Doesn't it sound romantic? I remember when I first heard about uh, someone planting by the moon. It was actually when I had my first community garden plot in Jacksonville, Florida. It was um, on a site that was maintained by the master gardeners in that particular uh, area. Shout out to Duval. Do If you know, you know. Okay, I didn't finish it. And if you know, you would know that I didn't. But I remember having a conversation when we first visited the community garden plot. And it was indicated, I looked over and I saw this really beautiful flourishing plot that was like yo whose plot is that like what they got over there I want some of that I want to learn from them and uh the person who was showing us around was I remember she indicated that they plant by the moon and that was the first time I had heard that term and I was just like what oh okay then you know um it was instantly confusing to me but it was confusing and also extremely intriguing um, because it just kind of even made me, <laughs> it kind of made me think like a, of something very witching, you know what I mean? Um, 
But when it comes to planting by the moon, let's just get into it. This method is a bit more obscure and I would love to hear from you. Just text me with that number that I indicated. I would love to hear from you um, as far as like if you do this and, and how it works for you and how long you've been doing it. Just tell me a little bit more about that process and how it's been going for you. And uh, so it's, it is a bit more obscure of a method. And, um, you know, some gardeners do swear by it, like the gardener that I just told you about. And it was a black man, by the way, which was, which was, you know, right up my alley. And the idea is to count backwards from the next full moon to determine the last frost date, more specifically. So here's how it works. So the last frost date typically occurs between the full moon in March and the full moon in April. So if you know when the next full moon is, and there's an app for that as well. I actually have that app because I told you I was woo-woo. Um, it's If I'm not mistaken, it's called the Moon app, but it's really easy to find. You know, once again, Auntie Google, she'll, she will show you the way. So, and it's, you can see the moon in real time, but you can also scroll forward and backwards to see like, you know, whether it's waxing or whether it's waning. And just a really quick pro tip, when the moon is waxing, oh, this is fun. Okay, so pause that for a second. Let me just finish explaining this and then I'll tell you about the waxing and the waning. So look, so the last frost date typically occurs between the full moon in March and the full moon in April. So if you know when the next full moon is, count backwards. You can count backwards to figure out the last frost date. For example, if the next full moon is on March 28th, the last frost date would be around March 14th, which is like 14 days, like two weeks before the full moon. This is not a method that I have personally tried, but if that's something that you've tried or works for you, please tap in with me, text me, let me give you the number. Oh, wait, I thought I had it pulled up. Never mind, it's in the show notes. But yeah, text me at that number. <laughs> I should have it memorized. Um, and let's just talk about waxing and waning right quick. So what I do know uh, when it comes to growing by the moon, we're not talking about frost dates. We're just taking a little segue. When it comes to growing by the moon, what I remember hearing is that it's good to plant at the time of the new moon. And... For how to identify a new moon, um, that is when the moon is completely dark. Okay, that's when like, well, don't get me started lying about the astronomy and stuff. But when the moon is totally dark, that's the new moon. We know what a full moon looks like. That's when it's fully lit up. It's the opposite of that. So we're going to get back to the full moon, though, because what happens with the new moon is that it waxes. That is just the fun term for it getting bigger and it like expanding. And that's when you see like that crescent moon and it's getting, it's going from that little toenail sliver. <laughs> I know I'm not the only one to think it's look like a toenail. It goes from the toenail sliver to, you know, a fuller crescent to the half moon. Okay. And then into the uh, fully lit, full blown full moon. So as you consider the way that the moon is like kind of growing um, and also consider that the moon is uh, how the moon 
acts in relation to the earth as a magnet. You could imagine how planting a seed while the moon is waxing could help the plant to grow. Does that make sense? I hope that you're with me. Um, it is not generally advised, if I remember correctly, we're getting anecdotal right now, but it is not typically advised to plant, if you're going by moon cycles and things, when the moon is waning. And waning is the opposite of what I just said, where the full moon shrinks down back into that little toenail into complete dark, which is the new moon, okay? So I know that much, okay? And if you have the moon app, then it helps you to get a very real-time uh, understanding of that. Or if you're somebody who looks at the moon every single day, then you have observed this phenomenon, all right? So the last way, and then we're gonna wrap up in just a couple minutes, is the weather as far as how to determine the last frost date. And uh, it has been said that this is the most accurate way, accurate way to determine the last frost date uh, just by keeping an eye on the weather. If you live in an area with a lot of temperature swings, it can be a little bit trickier. And shoot, that's like everywhere now, isn't it? Because say it with me, climate change. However, if you pay attention to the forecast and keep track of the average temperature for your area, then you should be able to get a good idea of when the last frost date will occur. So this, that, that's it. That's very simple. These are some of the most common methods for calculating the last frost date. And as any seasoned gardener will tell you, it just don't be that simple. And any seasoned gardener um, who is frustrated <laughs> by the um, increasing unpredictability of how the planting season starts. Um, yeah, I, I sympathize and empathize with that because here I go with a head full of conditioner getting my child to go and pull my plants off the porch at nine o'clock at night, okay? Um, but there's all sorts of other factors that can affect the timing of the last frost. Hey, wait, there's more, such as elevation, wind patterns, and even the behavior of local wildlife. Everything is connected, y'all, okay? Deforestation, that has an effect on things, unfortunately. You know, it's bad enough that we're just chopping down trees all willy-nilly, but it, it affects the animals, the insects, uh, everything. And here's just a quick little fun fact tidbit that I just saw somewhere that I thought was so cool. Um, is that there was a guy, it was somewhere I saw it on Instagram, who was discussing, there was an older gentleman who was discussing how he moved to a new area. Um, he got a new plot of land and he started to plant native grasses and flowers and just all native plants. He wanted to make sure that he planted as many native plants as possible, which I also encourage everybody listening to do so. And in planting native plants in that area and just like revitalizing it in that way, he said that he was able to determine that the biodiversity that he was um, aiming for, the the way that he could determine that he was doing a good job was because he was able to identify 
eight at least 800 different moth species so it's interesting to know that because <laughs> i've been keeping my ears to the streets you know it's interesting to know that even just the observance of moth species is a way to um, determine what your biodiversity game is like you know if you ain't seeing no moths then what you really do it okay and i was fascinated and captivated and stuff but then when i thought about it i was a little bit terrified because i'm like yo i don't moths what heebie-jeebies we're still working through our issues with bugs shout out to uh nadia ruffin <laughs> who was uh on i want to say season two of the black in the garden podcast and she was discussing not only bugs and entomology but also the concept of uh us especially black people being uh, fearful of bugs and how we can overcome that so that's definitely worth a listen if you if the thought of bugs is um not comforting for you so if you and let's just we got one one more point one more point where i promise you we're gonna three more minutes just give me three more minutes so if you live in a mountainous region the last frost day can vary depending on how high up you are in general the higher up you go the later the frost state will be. And this is because colder air sinks down to into the valleys. Some of us knew that. While warmer air rises up to the mountaintops, okay? So if you're plan, planting a garden on a mountaintop, you'll just need to take this into account when you're calculating the last frost date. And there may be a few other factors that you need to uh, uh, think about, but we just talking about frost dates right now. So uh, one last factor to consider is wind patterns. If you live in an area with strong winds, the last frost date may be later than expected. And I'm thinking about like Chicago. How y'all doing up there? What's up, Sh Chicago soil cousins? Um, if you live in, in a strongly winded area, I just made that up. Let's just say it's a thing then it, it might be later than expected and that's because wind of course can cause temp the temperature to drop more quickly especially at night so even if the forecast says that the last frost date has passed you may still want to hold off on planting until you're sure that the winds have died down all right we've shared a lot and that was my last little tidbit i told you we'd be out of here in about three minutes did not anticipate that this conversation would be so robust, especially considering, you know, I'm hosting this episode solo. Um, but I'm getting more comfortable with that, in fact. And uh, let me know if if you agree that I, that I did pretty well by just texting me at that number that is in the episode notes. Why well, I feel like I wrote it down and now I don't see it no more. Good grief. Where did I put? Oh, I know where it's at. So yeah, if you are, if you've listened this far, then you should text me if you listen to the end because you are a very special soil cousin and I want you to feel as much. The number is 833-819-3926. I said that really fast, so I'll say it slowly. 833-819-3926. Holler at me, soil cousins. Let me know your thoughts. Where are you at? What's going on with your frost date? do you have it down pat is it still confusing to you what's good or not good i appreciate you all for listening for uh give me your ears and attention and, and energy and time because you could be listening to anything else 
right now, but you have listened to another episode of the Black in the Garden podcast that I'm very happy to have produced. And I want to wish you love, light, and soil. <laughs>